Another episode of the Black Content Corner. We got Q sitting here with me, and this week we will be talking about the one and only Beyonce. So excited! Black is King came out July 31st. I didn't have Disney Plus, but of course I was going to give them $6.99 so I could see my girl. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk about African spirituality just a little bit. So when the tra- the trailer was released, um, I saw a lot of people say that this project looked demonic. And it was also said after it came out. And it really hit me. Like it was a realization that African spirituality as a whole has been demonized and not seen as civilized. And I can't help to think that that's one of the tools that white Christians use to have us look down and separate us from Africans that are still on the continent from native culture. So I watched this documentary called Voodoo by, and I'm gonna massacre his name, Juman Hansu. It's the guy, he was in Amistad and Gladiator and he was married to Kamorley Simmons. So he's from Benin in Africa, that's on the West Coast and This documentary just focuses on that particular country and the voodoo religion. And all the spiritualities are different across the continent. And what I learned is that it's similar to Christianity. I mean, some some cultures are, I think, monotheistic. Monotheistic. Excuse me, I don't know the proper word but some people focus or worship one god while other cultures uh worship multiple but like in with christianity we have one they talk about sacrifice um there's good and evil like all of that is in spiritual in african spirituality and more and specifically voodoo because that's what was covered in that um documentary but all of that and prayer all of that that was in voodoo is also in christianity so i i I don't know why we talk about or look down on african spirituality maybe because and they did mention this in in christianity when jesus is like the ultimate sacrifice it only happened one time but in african spiritualities they um continue to sacrifice like goats and chickens but to me it's still the same and then like we in christianity we drink you know grape juice for the blood and crackers for you know the body whereas you know they might drink real blood (laughs) but you know i to me i got really other than like we just want everything that's associated with blackness in Africa to be bad, I don't understand any other reasons. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, definitely. I I think that it comes from like what you said. The most people don't have the understanding that Christianity is the white man's religion. Like the reason, like they went so far 
to um, to segregate and and separate black people using Christianity that it's like beaten into um, you know our DNA now. But we're t- like you said earlier, we are taught to think that anything African is bad or that they're wor- they're devil worshiping or you know especially when it comes to voodoo. Um, it's it's just sad. Like we we aren't very open minded to. I, I think we're starting to be open-minded to getting back to our roots, so to say, um, which I've always welcomed. But um, it also goes with the controversy of like how African people don't like our way of life or our you know Black Americans' way of Christianity, even though they may be the same type of Christians. Typically, um, those Africans learn their Christianity from Black people, or excuse me, from White people, as opposed to Black Americans usually learn it from other Black Americans today's day and age. Yeah, and it, I don't know. I just think the older that I get, I do look into like different things. I think Google, internet is really a, just <laughs> an untapped resource that we have. That when you can just simply Google things. And um, we're gonna go through Black is King because Beyonce had like a lot of um, symbolism throughout that whole um, visual album, I guess you can call it. And um, one of the biggest things that we saw, and we're just gonna start from the beginning. So the first song was Bigger, and Black is King is basically based off of the at the Lion King the Gift album for people that may not have seen it or not interested in looking at it. So the first song was bigger, and one of the main visuals that was associated with something demonic was Beyonce. She was, I think, she was on a cow or a bull, and she had like a braided horns with a circle in the middle of it, and so. Um, that represented Hathor, and that is an Egyptian goddess who is said to have created and maintained all life on Earth. And she's also the goddess of sky, fertility, music, and dance, and is the symbolic mother of Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt. Um, there was, I guess when people think about demons, it is associated with like a goat. Um, I've seen that, especially if you watch Sabrina on Netflix, you see like the goat thing. I don't know his name because you know, I don't get down with him. So, and I think it's also because that whole section was like in white, she has like a baby, and Hathor, I guess you know, would be the goddess that created life. So, I think that's how all that ties in. Um, and also throughout the entire project, I believe that Beyonce is, um, I think she represented on Orisha. And Orisha is rooted in Yoruba religion. And the Yoruba people are located in Nigeria, Benin, and Togo. And basically, Orishas are spirits and are got, like gods and goddesses. So we're going to talk about like the different ones she represents through different songs. And I think also the biggest, another, like, I want to call him a character. But you see like a blue man. He's like blue at the beginning. Then kind of goes like bluish green towards the end of the visual. It's played by Steven Poppy Ojo. And he's from Nigeria. And initially I thought he was just an ancestor that is with like Simba. But apparently I also read that he might represent 
um, an Orisha called Alokun, who is also like um, a god of the sea and water. So I, that may be up for interpretation. I saw two different things. So on the next song, you have Find Your Way Back, and they're like in the desert. And throughout you see um, different face and body paints, and I think it's, um, and Find Your Way Back, it was white. And white face and body paint represents hope, purity, and light. And another thing that popped out, which I thought was very interesting, there are men in like African, um, an African mask, and it's really tall, and it has a, a two bars on it. You see them. I thought it was a TV stand. A TV. Te- that's what that's what it looked like. You know the back of the TV stands. Yeah, but yeah, it had the two bars on it, and you see them next to Beyonce. Um, they also they pop up actually more than once, but the mask itself is called a Kanaga mask, and it comes from the Dogon people of Mali, and it's worn at a ritual known as Dama, and the goal is to ensure the safe passage of spirits of the deceased to the world of the ancestors. So at the beginning, and uh, pretty much the storyline is the Lion King. You have this little boy, he's Simba. So you you have the blue man who is with Simba throughout his life. And then you have um, the appearances by these men in these Kanaga masks that are also um, with Simba as well. And I think that's more so around. I thought it was weird that, that we didn't see them after Mufasa dies, but... Uh, we do see them before uh, while Mufasa is still alive. Now the next song, Don't Jealous Me. Now this is the, the section where I knew I was going to like Black is King. I was like, okay, we're getting upbeat. And we see the first person. Well, not the first person we see. Um, we see Lord, I don't know how to pronounce this. His name is Lord Africana. And that was the guy with the white suit and the gold. He is from Ghana. He um, is on the song. And we also also see Yemi Alade, who is from Nigeria. She had on the red fringe. So when she got to dancing with them two background dancers, I was like, oh, this is my type of shit right here. It was good. And Yemi is beautiful. She sings a song called Johnny. I've heard that song before. It's a couple years old, but I didn't know who it was. But that's that's Yemi Alade. And in um, this sequence, you see like the people are wearing, the, the people that have face or body paint, it's red. Even like one of the rooms is red. And that signifies danger, daring, urgency, and energetic. So to see when, you know, Simba out and doing stuff he ain't got no business doing, basically. And and during this song, you see Beyonce, she's like in something um, silver, shimmering, and she's carrying a snake. And I saw that this could be an interpretation of Narisha Oshumari, which is the Orisha of the Rainbow, guarding of children, and also uh, referred to as a serpent because she was holding a snake during that song. So that's actually one of my favorites. I don't think it's my favorite part of Black is King, but it's definitely up there. And then the next part is Scar. 
And this is basically when Mufasa dies. And they also, again, they ran uh, red body paint. And I don't know, I meant to look up who played Scar, cause that guy was so creepy to me. And I don't know, actually I couldn't figure out what it was. But when, during that um, song, he starts crawling on the table and he's just staring into the camera and I had to look away. Like I could not sit there and have him crawling towards me <laughs> and he wouldn't believe. It was a little unsettling. Yes, like. Yeah. The thing was, he didn't. I don't think he blinked not one time during Blackest Game, and that was so creepy. I was like, Ugh. so after that, and this is probably my favorite song off um, the Lion King: The Gift is uh, Nile. So Kendrick Lamar is on the song, but he wasn't in the project. Um, I couldn't figure out the meaning, but um, Beyonce had half her face painted white. And that whole song was white. And I, I mean, we talk about like purity and hope, but I didn't know if having half your face painted meant something. But there was a quote that I really liked in that song. I think also, before I get into the quote, that white outfit Beyonce had, I think that's my favorite outfit. I don't know what it was about that one. That and the pink. But that all white, it was beautiful. It with the, the sunglasses, amazing. But the quote that I really like, and she again um, used Warshawn's poetry throughout. And I'm not sure if this was her poetry, but it was like, um, when it's all said and done, I don't even know my own native tongue. And if I can't speak myself, I can't think myself. And if I can't think myself, I can't be myself. And if I can't be myself, I will never know me. So Uncle Sam, tell me this. For I will never know me. How can you? And I was like, I felt that on my insides. Because I'm tired of the government playing with us. They're playing with us. <laughs> <laughs> They swear they know me and they don't know me. Now I think the next part was everybody's favorite, which is Move Forever. And that's where we see um, Jay-Z. And I was actually excited to see Jay-Z. I don't know why, but we'll see him pull up. And we also saw the man with the Kanaga mask driving little Simba um, on a dirt road. We saw that image again, but we see um, Beyonce's in this lavish mansion, and when we're doing the different shots in the mansion, we see a lot of art, which was um, from a lot of black artists. And I think, um, I think Beyonce and Jay Z, whenever they do like joint, like visuals, they other than ape shit, I feel like they want us. They like push this, you know, artistic element and they show like different artists and i think that's their thing now some of the artists that were included were Derek adams timothy e washington robert pewitt um lynette yadam buaki i'm sorry if i ruined your name and then you have conrad Egier. again sorry if i <laughs> ruined the name and then they have sculptures from rudrow nash now we also see, I think it's a little bit of coming to America in there, especially when um, they wake her up with the violins 
and a brush in the teeth. We also see white servants, and I think um, some of the Caucasians were a little upset. I don't know why. <laughs> right. What's wrong with that in this right. fictional universe? <laughs> like, do you expect only black people and people of color to be servants? Like, calm down. You're showing your slip. Um, I also like tons of leopard, which I love. I really want a leopard suit now. Just, you know, Beyonce, send it to me, please. Um, I think another um, striking visual was the the chessboard and the people dressed as the um, different chess pieces. And yes. it was said that, because I believe Beyonce, of course, was like a queen. Um, and Beyonce yes. in the white representing Abutala, was the Yoruba goddess, the god of creation and life, honesty, purpose, purity, and peace. And another visual, oh, we also had the black synchronized swimmers. That, that was my favorite part was the, the synchronized swimmers and the, the chessboard I thought was so creative and so like just Im- impressive. I, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there was like, well, because Jay-Z has like a speaking part talking about um, the light and dark of things. So Mm -hmm. I think that also was like a representation. I also want to mention that Jay-Z, like the security, or I should say close, like the security around Little Simba and Jay-Z during that sequence were all female security. And I think that was a representation of the the homie warriors. That were um, like basically an all-female uh, warriors, basically in Benin. So please note that that's the bomb. So the next one was Jara. I hope I'm Jara Jara. That's how I say it in the song. I'm saying like that. <laughs> so during this, we have older Simba. He's doing his thing. Um, I actually, Out pimping. I liked it only because it kind of part of it gave me a little bit of the whiz. So it was the part in the whiz. I forgot what section it was, but when they look like prostitutes, it was pink as well, and they sprinkled something on the lion and Diana Ross, and then they was like all in a good mood. It just gave me that, and it was that part was really short. But there was a person in a straw outfit that climbs on the hearse. And that, and I couldn't really find the exact meaning of like the straw, but there is an Orisha called Babalu I that is over the powers of life and death and can give and heal illnesses. That's the closest that I could find. I don't know if this is an exact representation, but it could be. Not sure. Then we get into... It took me a minute to realize that they were in a hearse and not a limo. Um, so, like, I, I wasn't paying attention to the actual vehicle. I was just looking at, you know, when Beyonce's inside. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought they were in a limo the whole time. Um, so that, like, kind of... It wasn't until you said that and I actually mm-hmm. started paying attention to remember, like, oh, it's actually, like, a hearse. Now that I think about it, maybe Simba was living his life on his way to, to death. Living reckless out here in these streets. 
going in the wrong direction. And that's, see, that makes sense. So maybe it is my blue eye, because it's the power of life and death. And then he sees Scar, and then he decides to, to get right. Hmm, it just came to me. <laughs> Another one You're of welcome. my favorites already. We see Chateau Wale from Ghana. He's on the song. I feel like everybody, even Beyonce had green body and face paint. So green is life, growth, freshness, and healing. So I guess Simba is like changing his path, trying to go the right way. I also meant to mention that um, in Jara Jara, um, that's when Simba meets Nala. In that one. And she was so pretty. She had the short pink hair. Oh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, and already, this is where we get, we saw the image of Beyonce with, the, like, braided bantu knots and that. And she was just looking so great. But we get more dancing. And this is where uh, Beyonce lifts her hood out a little bit. She loves to give you a little hood moment with all the dudes and she's like the one female thugging it out or whatever. Um, I want to mention that she did a dance, a Nigerian dance with uh, Steven Ojo. It's got the, and I'm gonna ruin this too. Um, it's G-B-E-S-E, so I'm thinking like Jabesi, maybe. But that's a, a Nigerian dance that they gave us. And I did see um, Mama Tina on Instagram. I think she retweeted it. Not retweeted. She reposted on Instagram. But while Beyonce was dancing, which you really don't really notice, she broke one of her heels and was still dancing. That's how great Beyonce is. Ouch. Because she was dancing so hard and she broke her heel and she kept going. Kept going. That is an entertainer. Thank you very much. Anyways. We also see a red, green, and black American flag in there. So that flag was actually created by David Hammonds in 1990, and those are the Pan-African colors. And if you don't know, red is for the blood, black is for the people, and green is for the land. I love saying that, I don't know why. But um, I've never really seen that flag before, and I was surprised that it was created in 1990. I've seen, I haven't seen a, a, a Pan-African American flag, I should say. I've seen the other flags, but not in that style. And I didn't know we had a flag. It's an African American flag. I did not know that either. Me neither. So we get to next is water. And we see Pharrell. And we also see, and I also don't know how to say his name, Salatiel, maybe? S-A-L-A-T-I-E-L? He's from Cameroon. Another one of my faves um, throughout this whole thing. And for me, it was about the fashions. That teal outfit with the big hat that she's just moving. Loved it. The purple background with the really long braids. Loved it. And I also came across a picture it's from the 40s, and it's um, it's picture of a picture of women in Nambia, and they had braids down to their ankles. So when I tell y'all that there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing new. And after they've been wearing braids to the ground, we just bring it on back. And in this 
section, when Beyonce's in the pink with the pink hat, it's said to believe she's representing Oba, who's the goddess of home and marriage. And it's also another one of my favorite looks because, I don't know, she just looked really good in pink. She looked really good in every color. This is basically Beyonce letting us know that black people can wear any and every color because there was something, and prints and patterns. Nothing was missed. Gag. Dying. So the next song, which just hit me in my heart, was Brown Skin Girl. And I'm not gonna lie, y'all. I was crying. I boohooed the first time I watched it. And I get choked up every time I watch it afterwards. Like, I don't know what it is. I just think it's like black female joy, black female appreciation. Like, it just really does something for me. And I know the song is not for me specifically, but I still am appreciative of anything that uplifts black women. And we see Kid. he's from Nigeria. We also see Naomi Campbell, Lupita, Kelly Rowland, Adult Akish. She even showed a dark-skinned Indian woman, which I thought was like, that was a big deal. And she included an albino woman as well. It's just so much representation and seeing like Beyonce sing to Kelly and, and singing to Naomi Campbell. Um, I think it really hit me with um, Blue Ivy singing at the end because, like, people have been trying to drag Blue over her looks since she was before she was born. And for her to, Which you know, is wild. Just so wild to me. And it's stupid. It's ignorant. You know, and as she grows older, you know, she's a beautiful little girl. She thriving. You talked about her hair. Now look at it. Long. Thick, luscious, beautiful. And she gave us a little red lip in the in the video as well. You know, stunting on us. So I'm just, ugh, it just does my heart well to see that. Um, I wanted to, there were a lot of hairstyles in Brown Skin Girl. One of them, which we actually saw in Lemonade, is that extended braided crown that kind of is really tall. It's called a Mangbetu. And it's symbolic of high social status and was considered exceptionally attractive. And I also read that that they like, I forgot the tribe, but they intentionally like tried to elongate their heads. So like anything tall and long in that tribe, you know, was seen as really beautiful. Never would have known. And you also see Beyonce in yellow in this um in this song. And Beyonce has been wearing yellow or gold in a certain way for like a minute now. And whenever you see her wear that, she's representing Oshun. I feel like that's probably the most known goddess that we know. Um, and she's the goddess of love, fertility, and sensuality. That's Oshun. She, she dressed like Oshun when she performed at the Grammys when she was pregnant. And... See, the next one is Kings to the Kingdom. Oh, it's also beautiful as well. We see Tiwa Savage and Mr. Easy. They're both from Nigeria. I couldn't find like the source. They were women with uh, beaded wigs on. And I can find it was Fulani, but I couldn't find like any more information about it. And also the people that had the straw around their head 
or they were waving straw. I couldn't find the meaning for that either. I really tried. And then you had the men, they had the white wigs on. And I really think, I know that people in the government in certain countries still wear those wigs when they're in um, session for like government proceedings and stuff like that. And then like in contrast, you had like the girls dancing. You had someone getting their hair braided. We saw other, um, just different uh, particular, I'm losing my uh, words. Hairstyles <laughs> in that um, in that song. So, and then we get to the other side, which is emotional. And I did not realize, like, I knew the song was about death. Just listening to it, I did not realize that it was about her miscarriage. And the visual was about her miscarriage too. And you see her. I mean, the visual clearly is like. Um, about like Moses and how his mom, you know, put him in the water and let him go. Um, and then, you know, towards the, they, when the baby gets to the other side, because I think that was like a representation of like heaven when Beyonce was in white again and all the children with the, the flowers in their hair and stuff like that. It was like touching. It was also kind of rough. It was like sad. Because people do be coming for Beyonce. You know, when they, they talk about her not carrying Blue Ivy, you know, faking that. And to know that she's, like, had a miscarriage. They, sometimes rumors can be so rude. And it, clearly it has affected her to, you know, actually share that through song. So, more props to Beyonce. Also want to know that this is where Simba, at the beginning, which I didn't mention, he, his, Mufasa had gave him something that kind of was like, um, what's those things that, that count time with the sand? What's that called? Oh. <laughs> uh, I know exactly what you mean. You just flip it over. I, yeah, I, you I just don't know. that's what it looked like. I'm not saying that's what it was, but in the other side, Simba, we see him again and he finds it. He finds that. So he found what his dad gave him. And I think one uh, cameo that I want to mention was the older woman that's putting the white face paint on him. Um, her name is Mary Twala, and she was a prominent South African actress. And she actually just recently passed away um, in July. So it's, she was an elder in, um, in Black is King, and now she's an ancestor. And I think that's like one of her last roles that she ever played. So it's. I don't know. It was also touching. Black King, Black is King is just so wonderful, guys. Another thing that we see is the clay locks. And that is from the Himba tribe of Nambia. And it's basically, it's called O-T-I-J-Z-E. O -T -T -E. And it's a paste of butter, fat, and red accord that is applied every morning to the uh, the women apply this every morning to their skin and their hair and it kind of gives them this red hue we also saw that in black panther too there was a tribe that had the clay locks as well and towards the end we see um blue and red body paint and it also represents ibg which is the sacred twins and it shows duality and it holds the one 
host the human personality and the other twin holds the spiritual personality. <clears throat> and then we get to another high point. I, this slick might be my favorite. My power probably was my favorite. And we saw Tierra Wack, who's from Philly. Uh, Nyjah, she's from Jersey. And Basiswa from South Africa. And Moonchild Sanelli, she's also from South Africa. And I also cannot mention that we see Blue Ivy again doing a little um, singing herself. She gave us a little hip wine in part of it. Be um, not Beyonce, I'm sorry. Blue Ivy is actually the star of the show. If you didn't know it or not, this is the real star. And again, we see in my power, Simba has the women warriors with him. Again, I think that's the homie warriors. And we see Beyonce in red. And I believe that's a representation of Oya, who is the creator goddess of the Yoruba tribe. She's a warrior goddess that manifests wind, lightning, and storms. And also the goddess of death and rebirth and guards the underworld. When she was in the red. And I think the guys around her had red on as well. And another visual that we see that I think is important to know is the cowrie shells. And those are like, I don't know, they're little white shells. We've seen them on like necklaces. You can put them in your hair. But it actually represents um, the goddess protection, which is highly powerful and is connected with the strength and power of the ocean. It was once used as currency and used and, and can be used as a tool to predict the future. So it has many different uses. I didn't know when you wear a cowrie shell that it's like some type of protection. So I've never worn anything like that, but maybe I might you know, purchase me a little necklace or something. And finally, we get to the last song. It's Spirit. If you know me, you know I've never liked this song. I did not want it in Lion King. I thought Bigger should have been the song in Lion King. But, I mean, Beyonce looked great. Her wig was excellent. I love the suits that they had on. They were purple. And in that song, she's in blue, which is a representation of Yamaya, who's a mother goddess and protector of women. And then at the end, you see that it's dedicated to Sir who looks just like Blue Ivy, it's crazy. And I think, I mean, it's dedicated specifically to Sir, but you know, I think it's a little dedication to all of us. So to me, I loved Black is King. I'm also biased to Beyonce. I love everything that she does, but I still think it was excellent. And of course, whenever anything involves Beyonce, you must know that there's gonna be criticism. And it's been, small percentage i didn't see too much um criticism on my entire social media like i usually do but i did come across some tweets and i did pull up some think pieces as well one criticism i didn't understand was that it was boring and there was someone that said they didn't understand the storyline it was Lion King. I don't understand how you didn't catch it. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe because it was spit people you couldn't understand. Not sure. Now, one of the biggest criticisms came from No Name. 
she sent a tweet. She did not say Black is King or you say Beyonce's name, but her quote says, I'm gonna read it. It says, we love an African aesthetic draped in capitalism. Hope we remember the black folks on the continent whose daily lives are impacted by US imperialism. If we can uplift the imagery, I hope we can uplift those who will never be able to access it. Black liberation is a global struggle. People in Africa drag the fuck out of no name after this tweet. <laughs> it's since been deleted, but of course it caused conversation. So some people saying that um, no name can't speak for a whole continent. Um, she was. Some people said that they were enjoying it and um, appreciated the, that Beyonce used her platform for um, to highlight African artists and different tribes and symbol, uh, symbolism. So I also want to hop into another tweet that I saw, and this is from. I hope I said her name correctly, Judah. Judith, Judith L. Ira Cozy. Now she said two different things. And she's like, you can love Beyonce and criticize the harm her art creates when it's a when it appropriates African cultures and glorifies them under black capitalism. I love her so much and want my queen to use her power and status not to glorify glorify Africanists rooted in power game against the white gaze. And she also mentioned in another tweet, she talks about how we uh, romanticize um, colonialism, or not colonial, colonialism, sorry. How we romanticize Africa prior to colonialism. So, I mean, I think everything is still um, the same themes, like black capitalism, capitalizing on the BLM movement, cultural appropriation, um, treating Africa as one country and not representing all 54 countries. And I think, is it capitalism? Yes, it is. Um, especially when you have to, to pay $6.99 for Disney+. Plus. Of course, Beyonce probably earned millions and millions of dollars um, with this project. I think... Capitalism is not the answer. I I would love to live in a world that's not capitalistic, but here we are. We're here. I participate in it, you know. So, is no name wrong that it's capitalism? No. I think the timing of it for her coming off of just that back and forth with uh, her and J. Cole, I think the timing was bad. And I think while people weren't enjoying it, no one wants to see negative commentary about something that you're enjoying. This is a project that, we, that we've never seen before. It was a representation of, of Africa that we don't usually see. We enjoyed it. Um, are there black? I mean, this basically comes down to people uh, again, just thinking that Africans live in huts. Yeah, like you know what I mean, like that. There's no wealth in Africa amongst black people. That there's like, again, it's Americans have a very Americanized view of basically the entire world. Everywhere's third country except for here, 
especially Africa. So, you know, they don't know that Nigeria and Kenya and all these places are absolutely crawling with beauty. Yeah, it's just like it it did involve high fashion and there are people probably in Africa that will never access it. Just like there are black people in America that will never have access to the high fashion and the, you know, whatever we see as luxury here. Um, like she said, black liberation is a global struggle and I, I just feel like we can't and I talked about this last week when it, when we're talking about 90 Day Fiance, how you know we want to pull out all the negatives and and, and try to look down and, and at African countries when we have the exact same problems here in America. There are black people here that are very poor and not have don't have the accessibility for a $6.99 for Disney Plus. Just like it's not accessible for people in Africa as well. And I did see a think piece talking about how, um, I forgot the title. It's something like, I, I would rather my ancestors be like a goat herder than a king or a queen. Classism is real. And yes, I think people, when, when people talk about, you know, being from Africa or like our African lineage, we, we do um, associate with being a king or a queen when necessarily, you know, in, re- in reality, there's a great chance that your lineage does not go to a king or queen in Africa. You probably were the goat herder. And they and there are definitely black servants currently in Africa and back then too. So, you know, it, I think this conversation is complex. And I think, um, especially in America, I think black Americans, they do, we do want to find that connection with Africa and maybe it's not healthy to always want to be um, associated with some with a person or a position of power I think that's that there's an issue with that and I want to say we always say that it's not cultural appropriation with black people where things that of um, African culture and I I mean to be honest I, I believe that as well um maybe it's not fair to say but to me this project black is king to me is not cultural appropriation because there were so many people from africa any i mean the songs you know feature african artists you have african actors i'm pretty sure you know the dancers and all the actors you know that played simba and scar i know the lady one the queen that was the she was an actress in in Black Panther. I just think forgot to get her name. Like, if it was a project with just Beyonce and Beyonce alone, and it was filmed in America, to me, then yes, it was cultural appropriation. But I think there was so much effort put into into Black is King to make sure we there was no cultural appropriation. Like, there's no way I feel like that should be a criticism of the project. Anyway. Are you thinking? Oh. <laughs> no, I, I wholly agree with you. I feel like you were going to say something. And hold on, let me backtrack. No. For people that say she's capitalizing off the Black Lives Matter movement, shut the fuck up. That's far from the truth. Beyonce has always, especially when she dropped her daddy as her management, I feel like that she's always putting effort in to highlight 
black people, black struggles, remember formation? Yeah, I mean, she literally says, stop shooting us. I don't think there's a way to capitalize on that. I think we cannot be upset when celebrities don't say anything and then turn around and be upset or accuse people of using that the movement to capitalize and make money we can't be upset when they do that either either you want them to be quiet or you don't want them to use their platform to highlight these movements a lot of celebrities have been out here um what's that guy it's a rapper toby i can't think his last name he you know had a song talking about rest um the killers uh brianna taylor and then he had a song about you know don't try 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 jesus don't try me or something like that like he to me i mean i say i see him in the shade room comments but i did not even know he was a for real artist until he started saying stuff like that no one's accusing him of capitalizing on the movement whatsoever and you know he hasn't gotten catchy until he said stuff like that to be honest and that's just i'm actually i'm just gonna say that for from my perspective he wasn't trendy or popular because i i only saw that name in the shade room comments and i ignore people that i constantly see in the shade room comments but i would bring it down a notch so i also wanted while we're you know in talking about africa um i came across this story in zimbabwe and i wanted to talk about um the civil rights issue that's going on there so in 2017 there was a coup to overthrow the president at the time, he was um, very oppressive. And unfortunately, his replacement, who I think was like his right-hand man, um, is using the same practices. So you have politicians, activists, and protesters that are, that are opposing him and the government. They're being targeted and are being arrested. And according to the New York Times, there is a dire state of the mental, not the mental, the health system partly stemming from the pandemic and the deteriorating living conditions. So you have um, corruption and mismanagement that have led to the collapse of the economy and vast underinvestment in infrastructure. So I wanna take this time, you know, send light, love, strength to all the freedom fighters there. And I hope that there's some, I don't know, some solutions, some real solutions that happen out in Zimbabwe. So, go ahead and scroll on down to TV. I feel like I watched a good bit of TV. Now that I'm back in Philly, I, I feel like I have more time to watch TV because I'm not sharing the sharing it with my mom anymore. <laughs> so, I watched all of the Hunters on Amazon Prime, and it features Tiffany Boone, who is actually Jerrica from The Shy. You have Coincidentally, Jerrica Hinton, she is Stephanie Edwards from Grey's Anatomy. And then I didn't know this, but Jordan Peele executive produced The Hunters. Um, and it's basically a show. I meant to Google if it's based on a true story, because something at the book on the first ep episode made me think that it was. But it's basically a group of people that were hunting the Nazis that were in America in the 70s. And I do know that there was like an effort back then to like actually identify and prosecute um, Nazi soldiers and doctors and stuff in America. Um, but I, they definitely were trying to make a point with this series. Um, they actually uh, would take time out in like certain episodes to talk about things that actually like happened. 
I did not know that the U.S. government actually brought Nazi doctors and scientists over to America, and they used it as an excuse to, to prevent them from doing more harm. But that is why, if you ever wonder how Nazis got into America, the U.S. government actually brought them over here. And they worked for NASA. I know some worked for Disney. Like, they had, like, good jobs. They brought them over here and got them some good jobs, which is crazy. Um, so, like I said, yeah, that's on Amazon Prime if you're interested in watching it. The episodes are uh, an hour long. Um, so if you have time, you don't have to binge it, of course, but you know, it's an interesting watch. I suggest watching it. The second thing, I'm not going to get into this, but the Real Housewives of Potomac is back. I know Q, you're not interested, but oh well. (laughs) Very. Nope. Thank you. I'll check out. (laughs) I'm not going to go into the episode, um, just yet, uh, but this season we're gonna type it's gonna be candace versus monique they're actually gonna get to fighting and i'm sad because i like candace and monique i think they're really pretty smart they have themselves together for the most part and i don't know guys and we're, we got a new housewife wendy a feso um she's a she has her doctorate. She uh, is a political analyst. I'm very surprised that she's going to be on this show. So I look forward to seeing what she's going to bring. Uh, Giselle's back with Jamal Bryant. I, I don't know. I think they broke up by now. I'm not sure. We'll see how that goes. I think we're going to dive into Karen's marriage troubles. And then you got Robin and Juan. I hate that we already know that they're getting um, engaged. So, it's like her storyline is pointless at this point. So, we'll see. And I, and you got Ashley. I don't like Ashley for anybody that cares. I don't like Ashley. But I'll get, I, I fell for her in the first episode in her concerns about her child safety with legit. That's all I'm going to say. But we're going to move on to I May Destroy You. Great episode again. Um, it covered Arabella's social media usage. So she did it. I don't know what happened. You know, last episode she walked into the water. But she's back. She is back. And I think I was trying to figure out if social media for her was like a crutch or just somewhere where she was seeking a space to direct her energy. Because she was really, she's going through it. But she she looks fine on the surface, but she is not. And I, I realized that she wanted to, or I felt that she wanted to be the voice of speaking truth. Because she mentioned that a couple of times throughout the episode. And I think it was to the point where she was, she definitely isolated Kwame. Which is crazy because Arabella has grown to be so open about sexual assault. And Kwame is silent, and he's not. And I think it's it's partly because, you know, he's a man, and not only was he sexually assaulted by another man, it it's just difficult for men to speak out about it. And I don't think where Arabella has an audience for, because women have been victims, you know, for a majority probably, if you had a percentage, it's majority women. She has that audience, and then and Kwame doesn't have that. He doesn't have that support. And I don't think, especially with him being friends with Terry and Arabella, he doesn't have, like, that male. 
he doesn't have a friendship with another male that he can rely on. And we see that scene where there's a guy talking to Arabella about his assault and how Kwame just like rolled his eyes and walked away. I, I don't know if he's ready to really open up about his experiences to other people. I think he would rather deal with it alone, which is different from how Arabella's like really open and talking about it through social media, like to anybody. And then we have this conversation, especially when they did the, the sip and paint about they had this conversation around like consent and like your decision making and like sexual situations and how Arabella kind of jumped on Kwame about having sex with that woman without knowing that um without the woman knowing that Kwame was gay and it and Terry counters that um conversation with Arabella hopping on Kwame Terry counters with mentioning a situation where Arabella had pushed Kwame in a room with a guy. And then I don't, either I missed it or they never really talked about what happened. But something happened without Kwame's consent. And at first Arabella, and Arabella was rude to Terry too, but I think it was, I feel like there's a, a conversation out of each episode. And, and this episode was definitely about consent and um partners being fully informed about who they're having sexual encounters with and i understand what arabella was talking about when saying like that white woman even she was terrible as fuck but she and she was pushing up on kwame but she also did not have um she was not fully informed about kwame what before making the decision to want to have sex with him and i don't know how to even approach that conversation i do agree that if you're going to have sex with someone you should be fully informed about that person so i don't know i do want to talk about that um arabella went to see her therapist and the therapist said something that really struck me and she said that social media is structured to where we have to speak at the expense of not listening and that's so true i feel like we go on social media and we say our perspectives and sometimes i feel like we have you know people want to have discussion and want to talk but they really don't they just want to have room to say what they want to say and, 100%. Yeah. So that, along with, um, and I did get confused on this scene. Arabella found an ultrasound and it's, she had an abortion that she like blocked out of her memory. And during this scene, um, like her subconscious is talking to her. And I think it's like being judgmental about the decisions we make. And not being self-reflective, like lashing out at people, but not reflecting on the things that we've done, which leads her to to delete her social media and apologize to Kwame. Hopefully, I um, understood that correctly because I did get a little confused about that because it kind of came out of nowhere for me. So I I think we're like at episode six or seven, actually seven or eight. So we're we're 
winding down on the season it's been really good if you like i said if you haven't watched it i think you should um like i, I always say it's a trigger warning every episode so hbo i may destroy you and we're gonna wrap it up with the shy another episode that you did not watch <laughs> nope still off that ship well, if you're interested to know that Keisha was found by Ronnie, um, when he gets into the house, he uh, Keisha actually is the one that kills the kidnapper because once Ronnie's in the house, the kidnapper drives up. And unfortunately, what I realized is that we're, I don't think we're going to know much about the kidnapper. We're not going to know why he did it. Um... I don't know if we're going to learn like what his job was. I still kind of feel like he worked at the school. But I don't know if we're going to get any background on how or why Keisha was in that situation. What they did. Which, mm-hmm. which again, is my problem with the shot. Like, why would you? I mean, it's just kind of, like I said, the, the writing has completely lost me. Um, and I, I look over the notes and I try to keep up with what people think of the shy. So I, I'm not like completely lost and stuck in my opinion, but it's just, it's one of those things where like the storyline is just so unbelievable from episode to episode. And it feels like rush, like everything has to have a conclusion immediately. Yeah. And if, if it was the track coach. That would have made a lot more sense, and I feel like I wouldn't need a backstory because we would know pretty much already why. Well, we, I take that back. We do need it. We would need a backstory because unless that track coach found out why he got jumped that day, um, we would need some backstory on that. But let me just move on. I'm just gonna go through the different character. So Emily and Lala trifling. Um, they're trying to push Sonny at Sonny out his business and we saw Lil Rail this episode um, he was the property manager I'm assuming of Sonny's and Sonny has been behind on his rent but he wasn't going to kick Sonny out um, but he did have Emin and Lala cater a um, business function for him which went successfully for Emin and Lala and at the end of that party, Emmett and Lala finally have sex. Um, I mean, I had been anticipating this for a couple of weeks. So I was like, hurry up and get this out of the way. Um, the only thing I saw on social media, people don't like Lala's sex scenes. I don't know. She just seemed like a giant compared to um, Emmett, too. Like, she's taller than him. He's all small, child-looking next to Lala. It just the the look of it didn't make sense to me. But they're trying to make it like Lala is in her twenties. Like Lala is I think they need to embrace that Lala's a mid thirties woman, like Maybe that's what I mean, she's beautiful. I think that overall, like black twitter for whatever reason just does not like Lala. They think she's like a, a coattail rider, which is I think disrespectful to her. But that that's like part of her her perception in what I see from other black people that don't like you either like Lala or you don't this is what I'm gonna say Lala is Lala 
when it comes to acting is similar to Beyonce when it comes to acting. It does not matter what role that they're in. All you see is the person and you're not going to see the character that they play. That's why people have issues with Beyonce's acting and they have issues with Lala's acting. We just see them. It doesn't matter what they do. <laughs> you're not going right. to like it. Right. Yeah, it's Lala. Her name is not Keisha. Or not Keisha. Uh, her name is not... Uh, hell, what's her name? She's just Lala. See? Yeah, we don't even... That's why I keep saying Lala. I think her name is Dom, actually. That's it, yeah. So, yeah, it's just... I personally... I do like Lala. But... um. I do, too. Yeah, I, I wasn't feeling her in power. I'm not feeling... I would be fine with the character if she was strictly like business and not if I didn't think that her and Emmett would be fucking. I think that's because to me it's not believable. That's all. Right. Um. Which again, my problem with the damn shy. <laughs> oh, prior to Keisha being found, we have a scene with their Keisha and Kevin's mom and Dre. Dre is trying to pack up Keisha's stuff. And we found out it's been two months since she's been missing. And I'm on Kevin's mom's side. I think it was too soon to be trying to throw her stuff away. Um, I don't know what Dre was thinking. It was very insensitive. And like I said, um, oh, well, we talked about this before recording. But we found out that Dre is a high school counselor, um, which I found odd because I feel like that she would have been able to relate to Keisha a little bit better than she was and I think she would have handled that situation um, with Kevin's mom a little bit better than trying to pack up her Keisha's stuff I don't that just made no sense to me and another thing we found out um, I think we're just going to assume that Keisha's going to be suicidal when they did show her make a noose um Earlier in the episode, after a, another failed attempt to um, get out. So, I think that's the next um, part of Keisha's story for the rest of the season. Um, I guess let me talk about the kids, too. Um, Maisha and Papa. Love them. Um, Maisha's backstory has kind of been the same. We know that, Ke- that Maisha... Um, misses school a lot because of her mom and her mom has like like three little kids which they should be a little bit older by now but um Keisha's missing school not Keisha like Isha's missing school again Papa gets money from the collection plate to give to my Isha's mom um at first Maisha's mom is upset and there's a particular shot and I feel like they did this on purpose. You have the Papa, his dad, Maisha, and Maisha's mom. And the camera is angled on the side of Maisha's mom and her holding this money that they've given her. But they, I feel like the way they shot it, they want us to focus on the fact that her nails were done. And I I think maybe I'm looking into it. Because no, I didn't see anybody talk about this on social media. But I just... It, I found it striking that they did that. And I don't know what they were trying to say. Well, I, I, th- I do know what they were trying to say. 
like she, you know, is trying to, she doesn't have like the money and she needs to work, but she has her nails done. I don't like that narrative whatsoever. If, if that what they were trying to do, they need to cut it because I don't like this idea that poor people shouldn't or should not be allowed to do something for themselves. I understand that my mom has a bunch of kids and clearly she's been working and the um, and, and trying to provide for her family. If she wants to get her nails done to make herself feel better, just let her do it. Like, geez Louise. And lastly, I was talking about Kevin and Gemma almost doing it. I, I really like Gemma and Kevin had been ignoring Gemma and not wanting to talk to her until she asked him to go to her house and when he realized that he was about to get some and all of a sudden you know he wanted to talk to Gemma Gemma girl don't be giving out your cookies to have these boys talk to you girl let Kevin go on let him if he mad at you let him be mad yeah you did well technically she didn't tell his business she told her mama but I mean people's gonna find out about Keisha eventually at that school but if that's how Kevin feel? I want to respect his wishes. But Gemma girl, keep your legs closed. Kevin ain't it. Not right now anyways. I think Jake is probably going to try it. She, what did she have sex with Jake? Because they made it. Um, Trick said that Jake likes Gemma. So that might be a part of the storyline later this season. So we shall see. I think... And I did want to say this, that for me, the problem that I have with the show is the fact that the writers don't let the story unfold on its own. Um, to me, there's always a declaration of the storyline and then it just happens. And it happened like Ronnie saying that he's going to be the one that finds Keisha. We didn't, he said that a couple of episodes, you know, it's just like, okay, well, we're just going to wait on Ronnie to find Keisha, which happens. Um tricked saying that Jake likes Gemma we would have never known that Jake likes Gemma I mean he is really aggressive towards her but you know now we're just sitting and waiting for um Gemma to make his move on I mean Jake to make his move on Gemma the same with um like Lala flirting really heavy with t with Emmett they didn't I mean we were just basically waiting on them to have sex so you know I wish they would stop just stating it. And I think the next thing, the doctor telling Dre to watch for signs of um, suicide, suicidal thoughts or whatever for Keisha. So now, you know, I think the noose hanging in the room was enough. You didn't have to, the doctor didn't have to tell Dre to watch out for these signs. Because now we're just going to see um, Keisha complaining suicide the rest of the season. So, I don't, I think, it, and, and we probably have, like, three episodes left, I think. So, hopefully, I, I, I'm thinking they probably are already working on the next season. So, I'm really hoping that they don't do that next season. Because I don't think they did that in the first two seasons. No, absolutely not. I don't want your disdain for the Shatter Robot on me. I, I really want to keep it positive. Hey, I'm just pointing out the flaws that I see and can, as a fan of the show, can be open and honest enough to admit them. That's how the show gets better. We, I'm pretty sure other people have um, complained about it and they probably take that into 
um, take the constructive criticism and apply it to future seasons. Um, on the movie side, I didn't watch a lot of movies. Um, since I do have Disney Plus, I have been watching um, Disney movies. I watched Hamilton. I wanted to see, you know, what the hype was about. I don't like musicals. And so, I, and it was three hours long. You know, I said the prime movie length for me is an hour and a half. So, two hours and 40 minutes was way too long for me, especially when you break it down into song. And what I did learn after watching it is that there are criticisms to Hamilton. And people are don't like the fact that they glorify slave owners. And I get it. Because I think the concept was cool. You have all these, you know, black people of color. Um, uh, what am I trying to say? Acting out history in a way that we wouldn't ne necessarily see it. Um, but I will say, when every time George Washington popped up in the crowd with cheer, I was just like, uh, no. <laughs> Why are rooting and hollering over George Washington? Like, maybe it's because it was a person that people knew and are familiar with. But I was like, ew. Like, I would never. But on to the next movie. I watched Hunter Gatherers. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, honestly, I didn't like the movie. And I really, it didn't keep my attention. One um, theme that I did see was medical exploitation on black people. And there was one character that was going in doing like trials. And they were like testing new products and stuff on him. And that was fucked up. Because at one point he asked the doctor, does, he, does she care about him? And we know the answer is no. And it was really sad because he wasn't all the way there. I don't know what kind of handicap he may have had mentally wise, but definitely should not have been participating in those trials. Now on to something a little bit better, music. ASAP Ferg put out a song with Nicki Minaj she made in Tokyo called Move Your Hips. And this is the Nicki Minaj that I enjoy. We all know that Nicki can kill a feature. And she always, whenever she works with ASAP Ferg, because the last song was really good, this one is good. Nicki, just get, take this energy and put it in your own projects. I mean, she is pregnant. Congratulations, girl. Um, so I don't know when music is coming out. But this is Prime Nicholas that I enjoy. And I can't rave enough. I also love ASAP Ferg as well. Um, ASAP Rocky is my problematic fave, but I should just replace that with ASAP Ferg because he's not problematic at all. Another song that came out, Moo Lotto, Big Lotto. She came out with Moo Wop. It's a um, sample of Freaky Girl, Gucci Mane's Freaky Girl, and he's also featured on the song. I like this new trend of sampling songs from certain artists and featuring them on the song like some also did with Usher. Um, I really like Mulatto. Not being of the name, but she said she's not changing it, so I'm gonna let her have it. Um, Brandy also put in an album called B7. I struggled. Um, I don't know what it was. It was very, it was very breathy. 
and low. Sometimes I couldn't understand what she was saying. Um, I did like Rather Be, and I like to know tomorrow. Love Again was on the album. This song is technically, for me, it's old. I don't think it should have been on there, but I did like the song. Uh, you said you listened to it, right? Yeah, I think breathy is the right word. Um, I don't, this isn't like, isn't the brandy that like I'm used to. I, it's, it's okay I, for what, for brandy, you know. Well, I, I wasn't overly impressed by it at all. I wonder if she had mental health issues. The last song's called Bye Bipolar. And then she said something else in another song that made me think that something was going on. I hope all is well with you, Brandy. Um, maybe on the next album, girl. This one I, I, I couldn't pull with. But, um... For female MC, I found an artist. Her name is Jungle Pussy. She's from New York, and she sounds like Cameron. <laughs> that's the, like, that's all I could think of when I heard her. Um, I really like the song, I Just Want It. And she has another song called Pretty Bitch Checklist. So her name is Jungle Pussy. And also I want to talk about, she was on, I think his name is Eric Andre. He was on, she was on his show back in June. She was asked to perform. She, what she did not know was that she, her performance was actually a part of a skit. And the skit had two white girls morph into Jungle Pussy. And then she performs her song. And then at the end, she like unravels back into these two white girls. And the white girls say, it's so easy being black. Jungle Pussy is upset about that, and rightfully so. Cause she did not know that that was what her performance was going to be used for. Shame on Eric Andre. If I was her, I'd be pissed off too. Cause there's no way on this fucking planet was it ever easy being black, especially coming from the mouths of two white women. Say that I don't know what the purpose of that sketch was. I just saw the performance and them unraveling in, into two white women. I don't know what his angle was. Don't you ever in your life do that again, Eric Andre. Sick of y'all. Real sick of it. But other than that, y'all, that's pretty much it. That's all I have for this week. Um, uh, I'm really excited. We know that Cardi and Megan have a song coming out. Can't wait. And very much anticipating it. It looks... I saw the pin curls in a swoop. I'm down for it. So... Nick, was that Friday comes out? So we shall see. So I want to end off this episode with Black Women Make History 2. And I want to highlight the Minnow, M-I-N-O, aka Dahomey Amazons that came from Benin. I talked about it earlier, how they had some representation in Black is King. So first they were initially formed to be elephant hunters but were transformed into bodyguards and warriors back in 1727. The women either volunteered or enrolled if fathers or husbands complained about them, and it started as early as eight years old. They were not allowed to get married or have children. So they trained for combat, they learned survival skills, indifference to pain and death, discipline, and they also learned how to execute prisoners. The Minnow helped overthrow kingdoms and eventually gained a high status 
and were superior to male soldiers. They were against the slave trade and influenced policies. They, were they actually defeated the French in the 1890s, but in the Second Franco-Dahomean War, they were defeated by France and were disbanded. The last living Minnow warrior was named Nawi, and she passed away in 1979. So we're in, they also inspired the Dora Milaje and Black Panther. That's where that came from. So we definitely are very appreciative of the Minnow. They were a representation of badass black women doing the damn thing. So thank you to them for their sacrifices. And that's the episode, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.